What's up and welcome to CEO Skills Radio. I'm your host, Nina, a New York-based lawyer and former lobbyist, aka a networking and negotiating pro. A few years ago, I left my high-powered lobbying firm to travel the world and start my own company. And along the way, I met a lot of fellow entrepreneurs who had no access to legal protections and no information about the traditional skills you need to create a scalable and sustainable business. So join me each week as we talk about these CEO skills, focusing on five different departments that you need to build a solid business foundation for your coaching or consulting company. such as your marketing, your sales department, your admin, your legal financial, your systems, your operations, and last but not least, your team and community leadership. I know it sounds overwhelming, but don't worry, I will help you stay organized, I promise. So let's dive in to talk about one of these topics in depth. Yay, I'm super excited. Let's jump right back into it. The Spooky Series. So if you listened to the last episode, which I hope you did, you would know that I am doing a Spooky Series where I'm going through different types of nightmare clients, different types of nightmare collaborators, and sharing stories from real experiences, either my experiences or my clients' experiences, to try and give you some encouragement, some sense of community, some sense of like misery loves company if you've gone through it before. Because as I've mentioned in the last episode, a lot of people tend to keep this kind of information private or secret. They're embarrassed by it. It's taboo. Um, Or if you haven't gone through anything like this yet, you're privileged. However, ignorance is bliss, right? We don't know what we don't know. And it's only a matter of time, unfortunately, until you encounter at least one of these archetypes. So with this kind of exposure, hopefully you will have the secondhand experience that you can use to make better business decisions and judgments than someone else. So jumping right into it, I want to go through the first main type of spooky person, an energy vampire. Now, there's a reason this is number one on my list. They are number one because these are the people that we tend to, um, and I'm in bed, by the way, I'm in bed because I was not recording this for like every day. I'd be like, oh, I want to record this episode. I want to record this episode. And then I'd be like, oh, I'll record it from bed. And then I'd fall asleep. And then today I was about to go to sleep and I was like, no, I'm actually recording this episode. But I've been telling myself, I don't know, I just like to record podcasts either like from walks or from bed. So you'll have to deal with like the noise of the sheets. And like, actually, I'm going to get a little comfy for a second. So just like, you know, just don't, don't mind the background noise. I got to prop myself up, get, get cozy, get comfy, get a glass of tea get a cup of tea or something if you have a moment and uh this is gonna be like a little ghost story but it's about vampires so energy vampires these people are number one in my book for people that you should learn how to deal with 
quote unquote deal with because these are the people that I think whether or not you have a contract, you're going to encounter them. So let's talk about who energy vampires are as a reminder. So energy vampires are the type of people who constantly ask, ask for things if they're clients, they constantly ask for things that are not included in their contract or the price they paid. And I get it, we tend to bend over backwards for them thinking if we just do one more thing for them as a favor, they'll appreciate us and find us a pleasure to work with and recommend us to others, but it never works out like that. You know, you'll end up just giving them an inch, they'll take a mile. They'll start to expect extra drafts or edits or communication outside of the scope of your contract. If you answer their message after 8 p.m. on a weekday, they will expect that. And they tend to look at things that should be recognized by a reasonable person as an expectation, uh, I'm sorry, as an exception, and they start to think of it as an expectation. I think we talked about this in the last episode, or I talked about it recently. Um, I don't know who it was, if it was Takora or another lawyer in that space, in the space who, maybe it was Michelle or Takora who had said, um, you know, something along the lines of like, if I answer you outside of these hours or if I give you a free consult, I think that's what the context was, that is the exception and not the expectation. And that term really stuck with me. That is the exception and not the expectation. So that is something that I will constantly be and have been telling people when I go above and beyond my boundaries this way people don't start to expect those things because what happens with energy vampires are the lines are very blurred whether or not you have a contract and they start to look at things that should be exceptions and start to expect them so it's kind of annoying and difficult to constantly bring up and broach the subject which by the way, if you feel like you're the type of person who finds this kind of commun communication difficult, I highly recommend using a contract from the beginning, not like, oh, we're gonna start doing work because we wanna get started right away and then I'll send the contract out. No, 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 because you need something from the get, from the get-go that has what your boundaries are up front written out clearly in plain English, right? This way, if you find these kinds of conversations difficult to approach, you can, number one, bring them up in a neutral setting where it's kind of like a routine business thing that you send a contract in the beginning, right? And then there's no emotions involved yet, number two. So it's not going to be this tense awkwardness. Number three, if they don't like it, they can walk away, right? Or you can negotiate and meet them in the middle and say, all right, well, I'll do two edits instead of one. Or, okay, if that's your budget, then I will only do two pages of your website and not five, right? You can negotiate. And you can meet in the middle and you can find something. And then if things do hit the fan later, you can point to that contract 
and it just makes it a little bit easier to um, what's the word I'm looking for enforce your boundaries when the time comes with energy vampires so if you find that communication is difficult for you when it comes to enforcing your boundaries especially with energy vampires I highly recommend using a contract written in plain English a problem I see with a lot of lawyers these days side note this is just my rant okay not all lawyers are created equal right not that we're not all created equal or anyone's above each other but if people come to me with divorce questions i'm like i don't fucking know i'm not a divorce lawyer if people come to me and they come to me with criminal law questions i'm like i don't fucking know it's been like almost 10 years since i've worked in criminal law last time i worked in criminal law was 2014 and that was environmental crime so it was white collar crime and it's not your like dui that your uncle got right um so a responsible and actually ethical lawyer even though we are technically under the ethical rules that we are bound by like allowed to um represent someone as long as we feel competent in it that doesn't mean that the quality of services that you'll get is the same so here's where i'm going with this from the very beginning of my career, I worked in contract drafting. Even as a lobbyist, I was drafting legislation, which are laws, which are essentially contracts between people and the government, right? Like drafting contracts, writing that type of legal document is my focus area it's been my focus area it's been what i've trained in what i've been an asset to firms for in the past what i've been mentored in um can i write motions for court mm, sure do i really know what i'm doing mm, it's annoying to me and it takes a long time and i'm not the best person in the office quote unquote to do that so i don't do those things anymore have i written lawsuits and complaints sure have i won a couple of them how many contracts have i written hundreds if not thousands how many lawsuits have i written mm, maybe a hundred right like maybe a hundred maybe maybe 200 or 300 but that's not that many compared to the thousands of contracts i've probably read and written in my career as a contract transactional attorney okay so there's a lot that i do in my contracts to write them in what's called plain english i learned and studied with mentors who have trained me to write contracts clearly in plain english to make things as concise as possible to not beat around the bush to reduce the amount of negotiation and back and forth and confusion and edits that lawyers typically like to put in because they like to justify their time since they bill hourly they want it to take six months for you to negotiate this contract so they could get paid 350 dollars an hour for six months right but that isn't the that is the old way of doing things okay so i've been trained to do this for years very clearly 
next year, next September, next August will mark 10 years of me writing contracts and doing all of that. Um, a lot of lawyers in this space joined this space during the pandemic, nothing wrong with that, but maybe they came from insurance defense, or maybe they came from, you know, working in criminal law, or maybe they came from working, um, I don't know, in real estate law, or something that isn't contract drafting. Do you see where I'm going with this? And so when they sell contract templates, they sell what you can find on this legal database called Westlaw or LexisNexis. Most law firms have subscriptions to those. I don't because I don't really do case law research anymore because um, I'm not a litigation attorney, but especially people who come from litigation, which is the other sector. So there's like criminal law and then there's transactional law, which is contracts. I mean, cr criminal law. I'm saying there's litigation and then there's transactional law, which is contracts. Litigation has some civil, some criminal, right? So there's a lot of litigation and there's transactional law. And in transactional law, you could do contracts, you could do, um, you know, pushing paperwork around, you can file like licenses for people. There's a lot of things you can do. Just like in litigation, there's a lot of things you could do. A lot of people don't like the hours and the fact that you have to go into court every day and the fact that you have to like actually live near the courthouse when they come from litigation and those are a lot of the people who are trying to transition into the online space and sell guess what contract templates do you see where i'm going with this so they use their database that they have at work which is the old crusty old man's type of contracts that are in those random templates that lawyers use from LexisNexis or Westlaw and they are selling those to you and those are not in plain English. So those are going to be a lot more difficult for you to clearly communicate your boundaries up front. It's going to be really difficult for you to understand what the fuck they mean. It's going to be really difficult for your client to understand what the fuck they mean. And that's a problem because once you sign it, it becomes law. And so if you don't understand what it says and the other person doesn't understand what it says, that's going to cause a lot of tension and chaos and problems and a lot more money for you in legal fees later on when you need to pay a lawyer to help you negotiate a settlement or to sue someone for breach of contract or defend you for breach of contract. So it's really, 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 really important that if you do even get a contract drafted by a lawyer, you know where it's coming from, you know what type of experience they have, and you know whether or not the contract is written in what's called plain English. Because even like the people who get their contract templates from databases like LexisNexis or Westlaw, those are people who don't have other lawyers or like templates from their office. Like those are categorically, by definition, people who have never worked with contracts before because they need to start with like the most legal, intense, basic template that they can find because they've not had this like whole hard drive of templates of contracts that they've had to read and work with from other lawyers in their firm, right? So like, I've never had to use one of those contracts. I've looked at them, 
because I've compared them to mine and made sure that mine sound nothing the fuck like those because those sound like here with all notwithstanding therefore as such in the whereas wherewith for blah right like there's a lot of like words that are like six words combined like aforementioned wherewithal whereas right like who says that right notwithstanding to the contrary it's not fucking plain english okay so i made sure my templates sounded nothing like them and you want to know how i got great of writing contracts because i've worked in law firms where there's been like like i said hundreds if not thousands of contracts i've had to go through and i get them from the other lawyers and the mentors that i've worked with who are like nina here's the contract for the client look at it blah blah blah. okay i know that's like a really long tangent but this is extremely important for me to communicate to some degree um because i'm seeing a lot of lawyers who aren't necessarily like even though under the legal definition they might not be um incompetent meaning like they're allowed to to draft contracts they have no fucking experience and there's a lot of lawyers who are entering this space who don't have experience with contracts and so if they're getting their contracts from these places that are very basic they're not going to be clear they're not going to know how to properly and effectively communicate everything inside of it to you you are not going to be able to understand it to the best of your ability because it's confusing it's written to be confusing right it's not in plain english it's in legalese um and then you won't be able to communicate it to your client and then that's going to blur the line of boundaries even more so i know this was a super 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 long tangent maybe you found it interesting but it's really important to set the, the tone for that because if you don't um do that you know your due diligence when you're looking to buy templates or understand your contracts then it could bite you in the butt later on um so as always make sure you're asking questions when you are going to work with someone or make an investment such as that um because it's crazy like you know anyone can say anything online these days even lawyers you know we didn't notoriously have a reputation for being the most honest people in the world so don't just trust every lawyer just because they're a lawyer like come on rudy giuliani was a lawyer and then he got disbarred recently i think anyway back to energy vampires um and you know i don't know why i mentioned rudy i don't know he just was the first person to come to mind as like a lawyer that got like you know shamed recently in public but anyway okay so energy vampires making sure that you clearly communicate what your boundaries are up front using a contract will be super helpful because here's what they do here's some common energy vampire situations they expect extra drafts or edits or they try to communicate with you outside the scope of your contract right they ask for discounts beyond what's already offered without showing any signs of actual need for assistance right they're not coming to you saying, hey, I'm a first generation, you know, college grad with all of this debt. And now I know I need this because blah, blah, blah. Or like, you know, whatever the situation might be. Or uh, I'm my company is a nonprofit and I would love to use your marketing, blah, blah, blah. But our budget is X. Can you meet that? Or what can you offer us? 
they're not coming to you in a respectful way trying to negotiate or see what options you have um nor are they the type who you know you're offering to them some kind of scholarship or assistance they're not showing they need assistance they're just being cheap and so they're asking for discounts right without asking for like less work on your behalf they might even be questioning your capabilities or demanding refunds when you politely point to your boundaries inside your contract they might be the type of people who constantly flood your dms um, even though you have other channels of communication for clients that are maybe written in your contract right like maybe you pay for slack and they have a slack channel but they just decide to dm you whenever something pops in their mind um maybe they really drain you when you're on calls with them and they use the calls more as therapy rather than something productive maybe they're the type of people who um just get like jealous easily um of like what you do with your time i'm just trying to think of of situations that i've had with clients before um but i'm gonna dive deep into a interview quote unquote with creepy crawlings the ceo of damn right design co that's obviously a pseudonym and a fake agency um but this was my little like interview quote unquote that i will read to you um and this is based on a culmination of true stories I think you'll especially find this topic interesting if you're a copywriter, if you're a designer, if you're anyone who does anything that involves like drafts and edits and back and forth with the client. So it's not just a coaching relationship or something where you get on the call with them, but it's like a situation where it's a longer term relationship. Maybe there's a certain timeline that you should follow or a certain system you should follow and they're just not following it. So let's hear the interview. So according to our polls over at the Nina the Lawyer HQ, over 80% of online business owners have been faced with a situation involving energy vampires. This statistic is not shocking. Energy vampires are some of the most significant causes of entrepreneurial stress. So we asked volunteers to share their stories, especially the part where they overcame the situation and banished the monster. Q, creepy crawling CEO of Damright Design Co. Ms. Grawlings is a brand strategist and web designer for online business owners. She has many years of experience and over the time has developed a very specific system, including a timeline for her agency clients. Just one misstep or one missed deadline can totally throw off her entire schedule and as a result, her entire roster of clients, as well as her ability to take on new clients or make other income because now her time's all messed up, right? So here's the question that we asked. Can you tell us about your encounter with the energy vampire? So she said, yeah, sure, you know. At first, like most people, I was really accommodating. The person hired me and my agency for branding and web design, but it became clear after a few weeks of back and forth, and by the way, we operate on a six-week timeline, so this should all be done in the first week or two, it was very clear that they didn't know what they really wanted. Our job is to execute their vision, not create the vision for them. Now, pause for a second. 
could you say, okay, well, brand strategy creates the vision? Sure. But number one, that's not what this person was hired for. That would be a separate fee. And number two, you still need to have like an idea of what your business is and what it stands for before you hire a brand strategist. Like they're not going to just like create a business for you from scratch. Like you still have to fucking come to the table prepared people. Okay, let's get back into it. So what exactly went down? Her answer, well, they kept asking for edits, not edits actually, but like entirely new drafts of their mood board because they didn't know what they wanted when they hired us. We include three drafts in our contract with one round of edits for the top two draft picks. After that, we usually get started on the web design or other work. We said yes to an extra round of edits, but this person wanted more. So we pointed to our contract and the timeline she agreed to, but instead of being understanding, she became totally abusive and we ended up giving her a refund just to get her away. So this story, unfortunately, is pretty common with people becoming abusive and then people saying like, eh, you know what, fuck it, I'm just gonna pay you to go away. I've even done this recently to a client, even though I've done work and even though my contract made it so I didn't have to give a refund and the reason for the whole debacle in the first place was because this person also was asking for things that was outside the contract. And that became like totally annoying and abusive. And every time I would check my Instagram, I would have like messages from her. And then, you know, I blocked her and I talked about it on my Instagram. And then she like made all these other people in her life, probably her fucking sister and her husband's baby's account. And the girl she works with probably like check her stories. So I kept having to just like block people after people after people. It was weird. Okay. Um, but in any event, you know, I get it. You sometimes just want to throw money at these people and tell them to get the fuck out of your life because it's easier than dealing with them. But here's the thing that happens. That is telling the universe that you are not ready, willing, and able, and prepared to take on that extra work, to accept that money, that money is disposable to you. It's not an even energy exchange, and it's now an energy leak. It's an energy leak in your business, and that is not sustainable. Sure, if you have one hole in your shirt or your leggings, great. You could still wear those to the gym. Maybe wear a long shirt, depending on the placement, but you can have a hole in your tights or a hole in your leggings and still wear them. What happens if you have another hole? And this time it's right on the seam of your ass crack and you're doing squats. And it's not just like air squats with a resistance band. You're like, you know, using the bar at the gym with the squat rack and you bend down and you have like six holes and you're just like, yeah. And then you, you hear and you stand up and you're mortified and you just want to give up and you never want to step back foot in the gym again. And you're like, I'm never squatting again. Fuck that. I'm never going to the gym again. And then you really, your health becomes poor and God forbid you go into cardiac arrest or something. It could be the end of everything because of you didn't fix the holes in your leggings. I don't know, it's really dramatic, but hopefully that analogy will scare the shit out of you and you will think twice about energy leaks. Okay, so having one energy leak, okay, it's one thing, maybe you learn from it. Two, three, four, six 
even one a month, one a year, I mean, that's exhausting, people. It's exhausting. You need to have a more sustainable method to, number one, resolve these issues, number two, prevent them from happening, and number three, um, you know, just like having personal growth, self-development, self-respect, and knowing that you deserve better because you did put energy into something and it should be an energy exchange, it should be compensated for, it shouldn't just be an energy leak. Even if nothing comes of it, even if like let's say you had to send them a letter and you're like threatening quote unquote a lawsuit, um, you know, trying to resolve it, which by the way, that's what a letter does. A letter is not like a threat to fucking sue you. A letter, if you get a letter from a lawyer, that's like opening up the talks for more formal negotiations because clearly you two couldn't handle it yourselves so let you know the lawyers deal with it you guys don't have to invest the energy anymore and the emotions in it anymore we will take it from here we are not emotionally invested in it so maybe we can come up with like a rational solution or something right and that's what like a letter usually does or tries to do so let's say you even try to do that and it still doesn't work okay now you can wipe your hands clean of it know that you did your best maybe you lost some money sure but you're showing the universe that you take these things seriously you're inviting um relationships with more professional people um or more like-minded people into your life and the way that that actually comes into play so it's not just some like woo woo concept floating around in the ether is because now you're actually learning from experience and you're using your discretion to make better business decisions you are using your experience to make better business decisions to weigh risks to think hmm gee maybe I'll put that in my contract next time or hmm maybe I'll use a contract next time because the energy vampire situation if you think it's bad with a contract you should fucking see it without a contract, bro. Are you kidding me? Energy vampires, they like have a sixth sense for that. It's like they only come out at night to find the people who don't use contracts. No contract? Great. Hand over $30,000, right? Or, you know, if they're the coach. Uh, no contract? Great. I'll hand over, you know, $500 here for this thing you're saying is $10,000 and then I might just, you know, decide to disappear off the face of the earth for a little, but yeah, whatever, there's no contract, no sweat off my back, right? They prey on people like you, maybe, who might not be using contracts or might not be using the right contracts or might not be having your contracts clearly stated, um, even outside the contract, like on your, like on your marketing materials or on your sales pages and on your boundary bill of rights, which I will explain what that is in a second. So make sure that you are using a contract because I can promise you the energy vampire situation is even worse without one. And my last little note of like what you can do to make better business decisions, what you can do to weigh risks better is also to really be intentional and polarizing in your content to make sure that your messaging is on point and everything like that so that you're not attracting those people to begin with make sure your systems are on point 
so that you're having like a more intentional intake process. Um, you are maybe giving them a survey or some kind of qualifications to work with you or even get on the call with you before you invest your actual energy into them. And then last but not least, this was an idea that someone had given to me that I'm going to start implementing and I'm going to put in my Scale Your Business bundle, which is my bundle of all of the contracts in my shop, um, that is going on sale. It's going to be um, 40% off for 11.11, my annual 11.11 sale. Um, you're the first to hear of it. I'll drop that discount code um, in the next episode, but um, you can basically get every contract in my shop, 10 over 10 contracts now for 777, which is a steal. It's less than $100 a contract and they're written in plain English. They come with workbooks, videos, everything to make you understand what the fuck they mean so that you can be empowered whether you're sending them off to people or you ever get handed a, client, a contract. You'll have enough education from what everything means in my contracts that you'll have some awareness to what's in yours. But anyway, I digress. One thing that I'm adding to there is something that someone recommended to me that I do in my business because of this energy vampire situation I had, where I made it very clear to this person what was included, there were no edits, there were no additional phone calls, and there was a certain timeline um, for a legal contract. And they became a totally abusive goblin energy vampire and just like you couldn't even tell them like I was trying to be so nice to tell her like hey this is not included you couldn't like she just wanted to fight she just wanted to bicker and be right so I was like fuck you I just gave you your money back and that was that um but when I was venting about this to someone they had given me an idea of yes even though these things were my contracts even though these things were on my sales page make it really fucking obvious to them and hand them a piece of paper that says these are my boundaries these are non-negotiable and write them out almost in like a funny way but like serious and make them initial next to them and boom that's an addendum a supplement to your contract they are still bound by it oh it's 2 22 a.m because i'm a psycho but it's 2 2 2 um but you want to make it really, really, really obvious and top of mind that these are your boundaries. Why? Not so just that they're hidden in your contracts that you can refer to them later and still maybe have to like field an awkward conversation. No, you want them to clearly know your boundaries up front so they don't fucking breach them and cross them and you can so that you can use the contract signing process as a filter to filter out their bad, horrible vibes. Because if they are not down with your boundaries, that is going to be clear from them being like weird about them when you bring them up in the contract before anything happens. Um, I've saved myself so much like skin off my back. I don't know what that word is, but I've saved myself so much like trouble by having a contract, having the people review them getting to know their personalities and the way that they respond or react like based off of how they respond or react to the contract and then being like you know what okay not a fit and then either they don't sign the contract or i don't sign the contract and then guess what 
I am under zero obligation to work with them because they didn't sign the contract. So I used the contract as a filter to filter out their bad fucking vibes and protect my energy. So that is something that I want you to feel empowered to do walking away from this series as well. And just like any of my content, I really want you to be empowered to know how to negotiate. It's a scary word. Everybody runs. You're going to probably turn off my podcast if you hear me say the word negotiation. (gasps) But I promise you, it's one of the most empowering things that you can do. It's one of the most important skill sets to have no matter what business you're in. And that is what makes a savvy business owner. That is what business growth is. That's what you do all day. I think a lot of people want these businesses online that are just like done for you and like tell me what to do coach or consultant and make it so that it's just like a turnkey business and I don't have to ever think about anything I just show up and I do my same routine job and I get paid more and more every month that's not the way it fucking works when you're a business owner you're going to be faced with decisions every day that involve risk reward cost benefit um you know making making tough choices you're in a rock and a hard place and you need to put your legitimate business interests first and not your emotions or the other person's emotions like you need to do what's best for your business and you know there's conscious ways to do that of course which is what all these conversations are are prefaced in because I do think it's a lot easier to have the boundaries clear up front rather than sneak them in later. Um, and I do think it's better to make the, the contracts really easy to read so that someone knows what they're getting into. And this way it's just their responsibility if they didn't read it. It's their fault, right? Um, but I, I think that that's the conscious way to do things. And it will help you have more conscious conversations later, avoiding fights and stuff because you can point to the contract. Um, that they fair and square signed, that they understood. So, you know, just know that these things, you making decisions on behalf of your business, that's going to be an everyday thing or like an every week thing. And the more you know about negotiation, the more you know about contracts, about certain legal terms, about just like principles and like boundaries and policies that we put in contracts, about like psychology, behind contracts and negotiation, um, the art of making a deal, um, the, the better you will feel and the better your relationships will be and um, the more confident and empowered you will be, which is really important too. So that's my spiel on energy vampires. I really thought that I was going to do like a 20 minute episode, but this was pretty intense um because i went on a few rants so i'll go on less rants next time i won't be as delirious it won't be 2 22 a.m um because i'm going to bed after this but i'm just going to leave you with this note step-by-step recommendations on what you can do in some to avoid energy vampires get super super clear on your ideal client not only their industry and aesthetic but also and especially the way they treat you Create polarizing content that clearly establishes your boundaries before anyone even thinks about hiring you. Use contracts to point them to during 
use contracts and point to them during conversations. Most energy vampire situations can be avoided when you use a contract drafted by a lawyer that you understand and that they understand as it will predict and prevent situations that you might not even think of when you try to draft your own. Um, plus you'll be able to communicate those to them up front and they can either choose not to sign on with you which will help you protect your energy or they could choose to sign on with you and well there you go they know your your boundaries you clearly communicated to them in a well-written contract drafted by a qualified lawyer right um, and then last but not least bonus maybe have clients sign a separate boundary bill of rights with initials next to sections where you clearly spell out your boundaries um, things like, you know, your drafts, your timelines, your opportunity costs, your response time, channels of communication, etc. That little boundary bill of rights one pager is going to be added to my Scale Your Biz bundle, which is going to be 40% off, technically 42% off um, for my 11.11 sale, which is my anniversary of my contract bundle um, coming up on 11.11. It's my two-year anniversary of my signature bundle, the Scale Your Biz bundle, which comes with every contract in my shop, every workshop that I've done on like contracts or legal stuff, um, every uh, workbook with sample language and video that I have that explains what, how to use the contracts. So that whole bundle, um, which once you get, you get access to any additions. So things like the Boundary Bill of Rights, things like the membership agreement I'm gonna add, retreat agreement, all the other agreements I'm adding in the future. Those will all be in the Scale Your Biz bundle, which you can get for 777 um, now through 1111. Um, since you're on the podcast, you'll hear about it first. Technically, this tale doesn't start until 11.1, but you guys can get in early um, with code 1111. And last but not least, um, the all of this information is also being um, published on my Instagram and on my email. So if you want any of these um, stories or any of this content in written format, then definitely get on my email list because you will be able to have this information to refer back to. Um, and it's cute. The graphics are cute. I have new branding. So there will be a link for that in the show notes as well. Thanks for being here. I will see you in the next one. We will talk about ghosts, I'm pretty sure. Um, and you'll have less ramblings from me, but hopefully they made you laugh. Um, make you laugh, make you smart. Those are my two goals. All right, bye guys.